Hello there, welcome back to Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. I am G2. I am here to bring you Wrestling Highlights of the Week for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, and Impact Wrestling. And since this is the week after each of these major promotions pay-per-views, we're dealing with the fallout of said pay-per-views. So we start off with Monday Night Raw. We will come out with Seth Rollins, the new World Heavyweight Champion. He will come from the crowd to the ring for his championship celebration. Once Seth gets in the ring, his music is still playing. He poses in the middle. Pyro upon pyro upon pyro would just burst on the entrance stage. After the pyro is done, Seth will take a few moments to embrace the fans singing his song. But once that would subside... Seth would say that it feels right to be here as champion, and Raw now has a champion that actually wants to be here and is a fighting champion and is always ready for a fight. Seth would say it doesn't matter who he is up against every single week because at the end of the night, every single week, he's going to be standing tall and everyone in attendance will be singing his song. That's when AJ Styles will come down to the ring. AJ will say that he knows he got drafted to SmackDown, but he couldn't resist coming here to congratulate Seth. AJ will tell Seth that he didn't deserve to be champion, but Seth earned the championship. So you see AJ and Seth, they will shake hands, and this will lead to the Judgment Day coming out. And you know where this is going. We get a tag team matchup in the main event. AJ Styles and Seth Rollins going against any two members of the Judgment Day. Now, with that out of the way, we move on to our first match of the night. It's a Money in the Bank qualifying match. Ricochet going against The Miz. Ricochet would win the match by pinfall by hitting a standing sliced bread, then a shooting star press from the top rope to win said match. Now, Ricochet has advanced into the Money in the Bank match. Now, after this, we have Trish Stratus come down to the ring. Trish would come out to Peacock and gloat about beating Becky at Night of Champions. Trish would say that no one should be surprised, but now maybe Becky can hang it up and give the spotlight to someone that actually deserves it. That's when Zoe Stark would come out to the ring. Zoe would say that she came into this business wanting to learn from the best, and that's where Trish comes in. Zoe will say that Trish is so giving and willing to lend out some wisdom to her, and Zoe would thank Trish for that. Zoe would ask Trish what is on her face. Trish would have a bruise on her jaw from the match that she had with Becky. Trish would threaten Becky with violence the next time she sees her. And speaking of Becky, Becky would appear. Becky would come out on the stage and say that since Trish is still in her gear and Becky's in her gear, why don't they finish what they started at Night of Champions? So Trish would send Zoe Starks to Becky. Becky would drop Zoe then throw her into the barricade. Now Becky would get in the ring, and now Becky would just maul Trish. She would hit Trish over and over again until Zoe Starks would get in the ring, and now it's a two-on-one beatdown. Zoe would hit Becky with a Z360, then hold Becky up, and this would allow Trish to KO Becky with a punch while still wearing her Hall of Fame ring on it. Zoe would then take off her Thank You Trish shirt and then put it on Becky and that leaves their message. So you know Becky's gonna have to get a partner or at least get someone to watch her back now that Trish has Zoe as her big heater as the person to basically watch Trish's back. Becky's gonna need someone and right now I don't know who it is. I gotta look at their women's raw roster to see who could possibly be 
on the totem pole for it, but right now I have no idea who it could be. But I do have a idea because next week on Monday Night Raw, Becky is supposed to go against Sonya Deville in a Money in the Bank qualifying matchup, while Zoe Starks will be going against Natalya in a Money in the Bank qualifying matchup. So I could see probably Natalya being the veteran to watch over uh, Becky as Becky's having her beef right now with Trish and Zoe. But next week will be the deciding factor for that. Now, after this, we will have In the Sheer with Jinder Mahal going against Javier Bernal and some guy. In the Sheer would win the match by pitfall when they would hit a sidewalk slam elbow drop combo on the local guy for the win. So, In the Sheer is here on Raw, and this just gives them a win in their win column. Now, after this, we have Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn coming down to the ring. Sami would peacock about retaining their tag team championships against Solo and Roman at Night of Champions, but most importantly... He would peacock about how Kevin Owens and him won their war with the bloodline, with the bloodline now imploding because of what Jimmy did to Roman at Night of Champions. This will lead to Imperium coming out, and Ludwig Kaiser would say that Gunther's win at Night of Champions was more impressive than their win. Kevin Owens would bug out about Imperium just coming out here without anybody saying their names, calling them out. Sammy would say that Kevin needs to take a breath. But he would say that, yeah, he's right. Nobody calls you out here. As a matter of fact, don't you guys got to get ready for your match with Alpha Academy? Ludwig Kaiser would say that Kevin Owen and Sammy are an embarrassment to the tag team titles, so you know where Imperium's mind is gutting for. Alpha Academy would come out, and then we would get our tag match. Alpha Academy going against Imperium. Kevin Owens and Sammy Zane will be on commentary for said match. Imperium would win the match by pinfall by hitting the Imperium bomb on Chad Gable, to win the matchup here. So Imperium more likely has probably one shot up as they gun for the unified tag team championships that Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn hold. Now after this, we will get a fatal four-way tag team match for the women's tag team championships. Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler going against Raquel Rodriguez and Shotzi going against Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville going against the team of Damage Controls, Bayley and Io Sky. Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler would win the match by submission when Shotzi would go for a senton on a downed Ronda, but Ronda would catch Shotzi and turn it into an armbar and Shotzi would tap out. So this makes Shayna Baszler's third reign as a women's tag team champion and this will make Ronda's first time winning the women's tag team championships. It's good because they're both best friends in real life and they like each other and I hope that we get a more brutalized, like, monster version of Shayna. I know that's kind of been my thing now. I've been catching myself. I want a monster version of Rhea Ripley. I want a monster version of Asuka. Now I want a monster version of Shayna. But if you look back at what they did in NXT, you couldn't blame me. Let's be honest. Shayna Baszler was a complete monster. She was a complete terror a menace down there, breaking people's arms and just being an unstoppable woman's competitor down there in NXT a couple years ago. Now that she's been on the main roster for a couple years, it's just never ever matched the same intensity that she's had. So I'm hoping that now with her teaming with Ronda, their tag team champions, they can get back to that with Shayna Baszler. And hopefully one day Shayna can actually win the main roster title and go on a nice monster reign as well. Because I miss the old monster snapping bones Shayna Baszler and just taking names. I really do. But hopefully we get back to that now that she's a tag team champion with her best friend Ronda here. Now, after this, the next matchup will be Dolph Ziggler going against J.D. McDonough. This match will end in a double countout when J.D. would brutalize Dolph Ziggler out of the ring and continue to do so as the referee counted to 10. 
Now, after the bell was rung, JD would continue to hurt Dolph Ziggler, and he would place Dolph Ziggler's head on the steel steps, and he would place his foot on top of Dolph's head and just squeeze Dolph's head on the steps continuously until the ref would pull JD off of him. So JD still has some business with Dolph because Dolph eliminated him out of the Battle Royal two weeks ago, and that's the reason why JD's basically beefing with Dolph Ziggler here. And it just seems that Dolph is just the um, gate keeper, not the gatekeeper, but like the test for the NXT guys that they want to do something with, but they don't know what to do. They always just throw them off to Dolph. So that's just Dolph's mission here with JD McDonough. Now, after this, we have Cody Rhodes coming down to the ring. Cody would talk about his match with Brock and say that against his better judgment, he went against Brock and did not quit because he did not tap out to Brock at Night of Champions. Cody would then look into the camera and ask Brock, is he satisfied? Since Brock has a win over Cody, and Cody has a win over Brock, they're both one and one, and are you satisfied? Cody would then issue an open challenge to Brock and list off Brock's accolades and say that if Brock does not accept that challenge, he could add another accolade to Brock's list, and it's Brock is afraid of Cody. So now we have this challenge issued out, and more than likely Brock's going to accept it, but it's not going to happen at Money in the Bank. It's not going to happen anytime soon. Again, I think we're going to get Cody versus Brock at SummerSlam. That's where they're saving it. That's at least where I'm thinking it should be saved for. But time will tell with that. Now, after this, it's a Money in the Bank qualified matchup between Shinsuke Nakamura and Bronson Reed. Nakamura would win the match by pinfall when Bronson would go for the tsunami. Nakamura would move out of the way. Then Nak would hit him with two Kinshasa's, one behind the head and one frontward facing. And Bronson would then roll out of the ring. Nakamura would then hit a big knee drop on Bronson from the steel steps. Then Nock would get back in the ring, and Bronson would stagger to his feet. Now, as he's trying to get to his feet, the ref would count, start counting, and then when Bronson got to his feet at the count of nine, Bronson would slide into the ring, and then Nakamura would immediately hit Bronson with another Kinshasa then cover him to win the match. So Nakamura has advanced into the Money in the Bank matchup. After this, Main event, Seth Rollins and AJ Styles going against Judgment Day's Finn Balor and Damian Priest. Now, AJ Styles and Seth Rollins would win the match by pinfall when Seth would take care of Finn with a suicide dive outside of the ring. Inside the ring, Damian Priest would hit AJ with a razor's edge. They cover him, but as soon as he's making the cover and the referee's at two, Seth will come in and hit Damian Priest with a curb stomp, breaking the pin. Seth will get in his corner, wait for AJ to tag him, and once AJ does tag Seth in, Seth will hit Damien with another curb stomp, then cover Damien for the win. So Raw will end with Seth Rollins and AJ Styles congratulating each other for the victory, and that's how Raw will go off. And that's your Raw Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now we move over to NXT. NXT will open up with the weaponized steel cage between Gigi Dolan and JC Jane. Gigi would win the match by pinfall when both Gigi and JC were standing on the top turnbuckle in the corner, and Gigi would bounce JC's head off the side of the cage multiple times. Gigi would then chokeslam JC off the top turnbuckle through a table, then cover her for the win. They would use leather straps in this match, trash cans, trash can lids, a baseball bat, and as mentioned, a table in this steel cage, well, weaponized steel cage match. And always, they will use the cage itself because it is a weapon. Um, hopefully, this kind of puts the nail in this 
rivalry between Gigi and JC because I don't know how much more they can actually put into this. So hopefully, Gigi is now going off to do something else. JC is going off to do something else, and they can put a nail in the coffin of this rivalry. Yes, sure, they can go back and forth um, later down the line if they want to revisit this. But for right now, hopefully we're at the end of this rivalry between both of these ladies. Now, after this, we get Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams coming down to the ring. Melo and Trick will talk about Melo being victorious in his match against Braun Breaker at NXT Battlegrounds to retain his NXT Championship. And as they were talking, Noam Dar and his group of Oral Mensa, Jakari Jackson, and Last Legend will come down to the ring. Noam will be talking about retaining his Heritage Cup. Noam would say that Melo just barely survived this match with Braun while he, on the other hand, beat Dragon Lee twice. Now, this will lead to Noam Dar goading Melo into a match tonight for the NXT Championship, and Melo would accept, so we have that match on par for the main event of NXT. Now, after this, we will have the Dyad with Ava Rain in their corner going against Wesley and Tyler Bate. Now, this is where we get interesting here. Now, in the middle of this match, Mustafa Ali would make his presence known as he was spotted in the crowd, and he would hop the barricade and join the commentary and just watch the match here. And Tyler Bate and Wesley would win the match by pinfall when Tyler would hit Tyler Driver 97 on James Drake to win the match. After the match, Ivy Nile would come down to the ring and attack Ava Rain. The Creeds would come out and try to get Ivy. This would lead to the Diaz and the Creeds fighting Ivy and Ava fighting. The referees would come down and separate both of the groups and take them to the back. This would allow Joe Gacy to attack Wesley and Tyler Bay from behind. Mustafa Ali, he would get in the ring, attack Joe Gacy, and send him out of the ring, and he would lift up the hands of Wes and Tyler Bate. So now the question is, what is Mustafa Ali doing in NXT? I don't think Mustafa got drafted in the draft for WWE. So I think he's a free agent, and I think he can go anywhere that he wants to go. So with him now being, at least in this point, in NXT, showing up here, I think he has his eyes set on the North American Championship. As I said before on my review of Battleground, I thought somebody from probably the main roster was going to come down and challenge West for the North American Championship. I said Cedric Alexander. I said a Shelton Benjamin. Or I even said a Baron Corbin. I did not think of a Mustafa Ali. But seeing Ali here, it makes a lot of sense. Because Ali having a match with Wes, it would be important. It would help Wes out in the fact of getting people on the main roster to look at Wesley. Because we just saw Mustafa have his match with Gunther. So he still has some shine on him because of that. But it will also help Mustafa Ali. Because people in the main roster, people that have been watching Mustafa Ali on the main roster, the fans-wise... They like Mustafa Ali. They like him. They want to see him achieve and win some type of gold. So him going to NXT and more than likely challenging Wesley sometime for the North American Championship and probably even winning it, it will help out Mustafa Ali because he just hasn't won the big one yet. So I feel this would do a solid for both Wes and Ali if they do business and Ali eventually wins the North American Championship. But that's only if that happens. So we'll have to wait and see and find out. Now, after this, we get Tiffany Stratton's NXT Women's Championship celebration. Tiffany will be in the ring, and she will list some of the greatest uh, women's champions in NXT, and she plans on being on said list. Tiffany will then ask 
the women's locker room to come out and embrace her as the women's champion. And at first, they wouldn't come out, but when Tiffany mentioned that they are going to miss who is going to be her first challenger for said championship, that's when the ladies will come out and surround the ring. Tiffany will say that next week there's going to be a number one contenders battle royale, and Tiffany will say by looking at everyone across the ring and surrounding the ring, she is going to be the women's champion for as long as she wants. So Tiffany just basically put down the whole women's locker room by saying nobody around the ring is on her level. So then when she says this, Tiffany would uh, pose in the ring, confetti would fall from the sky, and multiple ladies from the ring would get in and start attacking Tiffany, making Tiffany retreat. So we have that here. Now, the biggest takeaway from this promo segment from Tiffany is that Tiffany is given a lot, well, not a lot of time, but she's given time to talk in the middle of the ring. And this is the first time Tiffany's actually given like time to actually speak in the ring. Usually she's backstage doing a uh, segment or a interview, but this is her first time literally in front of the fans with the microphone in hand. And because this is her celebration, they give her the, a lot of time to speak. And I don't know what it is, but I'm glad that she's in NXT right now developing her talking skills. For right now, you could tell that it wasn't clicking all the way in the ring when Tiffany was speaking like that. I mean, yes, she was able to get the words out, but you didn't hear like any conviction in her voice when she was speaking. So I'm glad they're able to get this out of the way now for Tiffany because Tiffany, she has all the pieces of the puzzle to be a big uh, main roster star whenever she gets drafted to the main roster because she will. There's no doubt about it unless something catastrophic happens, like a controversial thing pops up from Tiffany's past, or she does something just stupid. But right now, looking at everything, Tiffany has the look, she has the in-ring ability, of course she's going to get more polished up, but she has what WWE wants from someone to be on the main roster to be marketable. Tiffany has that, but the only thing that she's missing right now is the speaking ability, talking on the microphone. And with Tiffany being in NXT, getting this time now, getting her reps in, um, she's going to be able to make the mistakes down there in NXT because NXT's, again, their supposed developmental system before they get drafted up to the top. And you get to make those mistakes down there. And they won't be looked at you as harsh as it will be when you're on the main roster. So Tiffany getting this time and she's going to be able to create that conviction to actually mean what she's saying instead of just saying words the way that she did here so i'm glad they gave her this time and hopefully to give her more time and hopefully as the time goes she gets more confidence and gets more uh feeling into said words that she has to speak so yeah i'm glad that they did that for tiffany here and congrats again you're gonna make mistakes but again this is the place for you to learn and uh cure those mistakes now, after this, we will have a commercial break, and when we come back, Danny Palmer will be in the ring, and she would ask for the unknown attacker that has been laying out the women in the past months to come out, and then you will see a video play on the screen, and Danny Palmer will be attacked from behind. Now, it's by the same mystery attacker, and they will unmask themselves, and it will be Blair Davenport. The last time we saw Blair Davenport, I believe it was at 
uh, Worlds Collide in the Triple Threat Women's uh, matchup with her, Mandy Rose, and Michael Sotomora. After that match, Blair got injured and she was out for a whole year. So now that Blair's back, hopefully she gets more screen time because in 2021, I believe, when she got signed, she was one of the biggest prospects to come out of NXT uh, UK whenever they folded and came over to America for the NXT expansion. Um, She was one of the names that everybody was chirping for because they knew of her independent resume. So hopefully now that she's back from her injury and now we see that she is the mystery attacker, hopefully she gets more in-ring time, more TV time to um, build up all that missed opportunity that she missed because she was injured. So that's what we have here. Now, next up was Joe Coffey going against Stax. Joe Coffey will win the match by pinfall by hitting best for the Bells, which is a rolling clothesline for the win. Joe Coffey and Gallus are still in their rivalry with Tony D'Angelo and Stax. Stax was taken up for the honor of Tony D because Tony is arrested right now. He's arrested because somebody in his organization snitched, and that's kind of the deal right now. So Stax is taking on Gallus all by himself. That's the reason why we have this matchup here. And right now, the Gallus boys have one up on Tony D'Angelo and Stax at the moment. Now, after this, we have Cora Jade going against Ivy Now. Cora would win the match by pinfall thanks to the distraction from Ava Rain. When Ivy had the match in her control, Ava would come down to the ring and get on the apron and try to grab Ivy. Ivy would attack Ava and then try to lock in the Dragon Sleeper. This will allow Cora Jade to attack Ivy from behind and then hit the double underhook DDT for the win. Now, we go off to our main event, NXT Championship match. Carmelo Hayes with Trick Williams in his corner, defending his NXT Championship against the Heritage Cup champion, Noam Dar, who has Oro Mensa, Jakari Jackson, and Lash Legend in his corner. Carmelo Hayes will retain his NXT Championship by pinfall when Dragon Lee and Nathan Frazier would come down to the ring since Trick Williams was sent to the back because the referee would see Trick Williams hit Oro Mensa because Oro would try to interfere in said matchup. So when this happens, Trick gets sent to the back. Melo is by himself. And now towards the end of the match, you will see Melo get to the top rope as he's trying to look for nothing but net on uh, Noam Dar. Oro Mensa would get on the ring apron. The referee doesn't see this. And Oro would like tug on Melo's leg to drop him on the top turnbuckle. This was in Dragon Lee and Nathan Frazier coming down to the ring. They will grab Oro Mensa, and now you have Oro about to get on with a 2-on-1 situation. And Noam Dar, he will leave the ring to back up his boy Oro Mensa. Now it's a 2-on-2 situation. Nobody fights because before they can get to that, you will see Carmelo Hayes jump from the top turnbuckle onto Oro Mensa and Noam Dar. Now Melo would pick up Noam Dar, throw him in the ring, then go to the top rope, hit Noam with nothing but net, win the match to retain his NXT championship. Now, after the match, you will see Melo standing on the entrance stage, holding up the NXT championship, and he will get blasted from behind by Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin would throw Carmelo back into the ring, beat him up a little bit, pick him up, then hit him with end of days, and NXT would end with Baron Corbin holding up the NXT championship, Show this shows you a glimpse of what Baron Corbin is here for. He's here in NXT to go after the NXT Championship. As I said before, we got Mustafa Ali 
he was undrafted. Barry Corbin, he was undrafted. I kind of had a feeling Barry Corbin was going to come to NXT, but I thought he was going to go out to the North America Championship, but I did not see the NXT Championship as a viable thing for Baron, but I should have thought better. Baron going out to the NXT Championship, it makes sense. He was a lone wolf in NXT. He did what he wanted to do. He would cause destruction and chaos for the short period of time that he was in NXT as the lone wolf. And for him now coming back here to go after Carmelo Hayes for the NXT Championship, it just makes sense because Baron's a big bully. And what better way than to bully someone than take something that they hold near and dear. And what's the only thing that someone at NXT holds near and dear to them is the top prize, which is the NXT Championship, and Melo has it. So Baron going after it, it makes sense. And I just am shocked that I didn't think about it, but it makes sense that they do it this way. So we'll have to wait and see next week what's going to happen between Melo and Baron. But with that, that is your NXT Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now we move over to AEW Dynamite. First thing to note, Tony Khan would announce on this episode of Dynamite that at the debut episode of Collision on June 17th in Chicago, CM Punk will be there. So it has been confirmed, the reports, the rumors, speculations of Punk returning back. It's now been made official. Huzzah. Now to the first match of the night before Dynamite, it'll be a trios match. Blackpool Combat Club's John Moxley, Claudio Castagnoli, and Willie Yuta going against the Lucha Brothers and Bandito. Brian Danielson will be on commentary for said match. Willie Yuta will get the win for Blackpool Combat Club by pinfall by pinning Bandito after hitting him with the hammer elbows, then locking him into the seatbelt pin for the win. I like that we're giving Yuta the pinfalls here for the Blackpool Combat Club like they did at Double or Nothing when he pinned Kenny Omega and now they allow Yuta to get the pinfall here on Bandito. They're trying to let people know that Willie Yuta is not just the fourth wheel, the odd man out when you look at the Blackpool Combat Club with this group of established wrestlers of Brian Danielson, Claudio, and Moxley. They're trying to elevate Yuta to let people see that he is on their caliber and if not, guess what? They're going to make him be on that caliber. That's what all the hard uh, training that Yuta is doing being around the Blackpool Combat Club. So I like that they're giving Yuta that spotlight of getting the pins for their team. Also, before I move on, I did watch Double or Nothing. I had to go back and watch it. And Double or Nothing was not as bad as people claimed it out to be. I watched the matches. The only match that I could see people really complaining about was Adam Cole and Chris Jericho. Even then, that match wasn't that bad as people made it out to seem on the internet. Yeah, sure, it wasn't as bloody as you will think a blood feud should be between Jericho and Cole, but it was fine for what it was. The only thing I could say that people, and I could at least agree with them, was the finish, how Cole will be throwing like some punches on Jericho and then the referee will call for the disqualification. I can admit that was a boring and terrible finish. But other than that, the match was fine. And Double or Nothing was a good, solid pay-per-view off top. It wasn't their worst pay-per-view that everybody's claiming AEW uh, sent out. But again, people just over-exaggerated the whole pay-per-view to be completely honest with you about how terrible it was. It was a legit good pay-per-view. Now, moving away from that and back to Dynamite here, after the trios matchup, we will have Juice Robinson and Jay White, Bullet Club Gold, come down to the ring for their in-ring interview with Tony Schiavone. They will talk about their problems with Ricky Starks. Jay would remind everyone that, yes, sure, Jay White and Ricky, they got eliminated out of the 
Blackjack Battle Royale by Ricky, but Ricky isn't the international champion, and he also lost to Jay White in their one-on-one matchup. This will lead to them talking about FTR saving Ricky Starks at Double or Nothing in the backstage area. Jay would play on the stereotype of FTR being from the South, and this would have FTR coming out to the ring to confront Bullet Club Gold. Juice would say that FTR is out here to apologize. Jay would say that FTR might even want to join Bullet Club Gold, but if they do that, they would have to apologize politely. Now, Jay is going to give FTR the mic, but he would drop the mic on purpose. This would set up Juice to hit Dax with a fistful of quarters. Now you have Jay and Juice lay out FTR with their finishers. Ricky starts with then run down to the ring, and Jay White and Juice will leave the ring and retreat into the crowd. Ricky would throw a challenge out for a match with Jay White next week, and Juice Robinson will be barred and banned from ringside. And the guest match gets made official by Tony Khan. So next week we have Ricky Starks going against Jay White. Both Juice Robinson and FTR will be banned from ringside. Now we move on to our next match up here. It'll be a triple threat match. Trent Beretta going against Big Bill going against Swerve Strickland. Swerve would win the match by pitfall when Bill would chokeslam Trent in the ring. And as Bill is standing on the ring apron, Swerve would hit Bill with a Swerve stomp and this would take Bill out of the match completely. Swerve would then get in the ring and cover Trent with a crucifix pin to win the match up here. So it seems that Swerve is setting himself up to be the next challenger for Orange Cassidy's International Championship, which will be confirmed because of something that happened later in the night, and I'll get to that in a minute. After this, we have the Acclaim and Billy Gunn on the stage, and the whole point from them being out here is so that the Acclaim would mention how they are still having their sights set on the Trios Championships, and they are setting their sights on the championships because they want Billy Gunn to have one more run as a champion. So expect House of Black going against the Acclaim and Billy Gunn to have a match somewhere down the line for the Trios Championships. Now, after this, it's time for the big explanation. Kenosuke Takeshita and Don Callis coming down to the ring. Don Callis would get booed. I mean, this is AEW's version of Dominic Mysterio booing level material here. People hate Don Callis. People hate Kenosuke Takeshita, both of them for turning their back on Kenny Omega. Don will start off by taking credit for Kenny's accolades for being the IWGP champion, for being the AEW World Champion. Those are the accolades that Don would take credit for and say that Kenny chose his friends instead of him. Don would blame the scar that he has on his head on Kenny Omega. Don would say that he might have lost a nephew in Kenny, but he gained a son as he points at Takeshita. And Don would then start listing off a bunch of Japanese legends and say that Takeshita is better than them and that he is better than Kenny Omega. Takeshita would take the mic and he would talk in Japanese first, but then he would finish off in English and say that he's going to destroy the elite and Omega. Don would finish off saying that he is going to build a family and they are going to cut the elite out of AEW. Now Don Callis and Takeshita, they have their mission. They're here to destroy the elite. They're here to destroy uh, Kenny Omega. That does not mean they're part of Blackpool Combat Club. That was something that was highly like alluded to. After, like, the main event of Double or Nothing because Don and Takeshita helped out the Blackpool Comic Club beating the Elite. So, again, this just questions everything. Who's going to be part of Don Callis' new family to destroy the Elite and Kenny Omega? There was a segment, however, earlier in the night of the Elite backstage. You saw 
uh, the Bucks and Hangman. Kenny was not there. Dark Order would walk up on the Bucks and Hangman, and Dark Order has been with Hangman since Hangman left the Elite in, what, 2020, 2021? So the Dark Order has been there, and now that the Hangman's back with the Elite, Dark Order feels like they were used by Hangman. You could tell in the way that they were speaking towards Hangman. And Dark Order will leave. Hangman is now in a difficult spot. He wanted to stay with the Bucks, but he knows he has to try to make it right with Dark Order. And before he could actually make it right with them and walk over towards them, you would see Alex Marvez, the interviewer, talk to Hangman and ask him, since Kenny's not here, he's back in Canada, what's going on? Hangman would tell Marvez, listen, Kenny is beat up, he's hurt, he's um, just taking some time, but I can tell you, he's not in Canada. So we have that little tidbit of information here, so we can expect that Kenny Omega is more than likely in Japan. He's trying to recruit his best friend, uh, Kota Ibushi, to probably come to AEW to help him and the Elite take out more than likely Blackpool Comic Club and Kanosuke Takeshita. That's more than likely where we're going to go with this. If we don't get Ibushi, I don't know who we could pick to, like, take that spot. We could get Okada, since Forbidden Door is coming up, but I would think the bigger pop and the bigger common sense move would be for Ibushi to be Kenny Omega's, like, selective partner to join in on the Elite going against Blackpool Comic Club and Takeshita, but time will tell, and we can see if we can make that work out. Now, after this, we have the Gates of Agony, which are Toa Leoa and Khan going against Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen. Swerve and Brian Cage would watch the match from the stage. Darby and Orange would win the match by pinfall. When Orange would hit Khan with the Stun Dog Millionaire, Darby would hit Code Red and then finish off with a coffin drop for the win. I will say here that the Gates of Agony, they put Darby Allen and Orange Cassidy through a lot of pain. This was more, I'll say, 70-30 Gates of Agony here, but Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen, they're beloved by the AEW fans, so that's the reason I feel they gave... Uh, Orange and Darby this win here. So after this, you will see Swerve and Brian Cage come down to the ring. Now the Mogul Embassy are beginning to surround the ring, but Sting would make his return back to AEW and come down to the ring. This would make the Mogul Embassy retreat, and it would be announced later in the night that Swerve will be going against Orange Cassidy for the International Championship next week. And hopefully next week we get a new International Champion and Swerve Strickland because Two things could be accomplished. Swerve Strickland is needing of a championship because he in the mobile embassy needs to be on television much more. I'm just going to be blunt with it. They need to be on television more, and this could help out the feud that Swerve has with Keith Lee. I'm not certain if they kind of just killed that feud off because I don't... Mm, I didn't see Keith Lee come out here on Dynamite. It would have made sense for Keith Lee to come out to back up Orange Cassidy and Darby, but they didn't put Keith Lee in that situation. They just didn't hype up or talk about it, none at all. So it would make sense if we get next week Swerve beating Orange Cassidy, since Orange Cassidy is weakened at this moment after all the defenses that he has, and Swerve could just easily come in, pick the bones of Orange, and just win the international championship. We can have Swerve. Now go into his feud and end his feud with Keith on proper television for the AEW International Championship. At least that's what I'm thinking because both Swerve and Keith Lee, they are both big time players in wrestling. And I feel that they need to be on television 
a lot more and we're starting to get that now with swerve so i just hope that we get that now going in with keith lee next week when swerve and i'm saying this out loud beats arch cassidy for the aew international championship but we will see next week now after this we have tony shivani in the ring here and he will talk a little to the fans about how the show has been then hook will come down to the ring tony will ask hook what is his future Looking like since he's helped the Hardys add double or nothing, defeat Ethan Page and the Gun Club. And before Hook could answer, the faction Igonobles, which is Preston Vance, Drillistico, and Jose, the assistant, will come down. And Jose would say that they aren't given as much airtime as Hook, so now they're going to take it. So Preston and Drillistico would attack Hook. This will lead to Jungle Boy coming out with a chair and attacking Drillistico. Preston will leave the ring. Jungle Boy will start coming towards Jose. Jose would get in the ring and he would eat a T-bone suplex from Hook. And it seems that Hook and Jungle Boy are back to being a tag team of Jungle Hook. That's the way they at least made it seem at the end of the segment here. So we'll have to wait and see next week with Jungle Boy and Hook. Now after this, we have a TBS championship matchup here. Nyla Rose going against Chris Statlander. Chris Statlander would win the match by pinfall by hitting a 450 splash on Nyla Rose. So Chris Statlander retains her TBS championship. Now after the match, we will see Taya Valkyrie in the back watching the match from the monitor and she will look pissed. And the reason why she looks pissed is because she put in the work on Jay Cargill at Double or Nothing. And Chris Statlander just came in and just swooped in and just beat Jade after all the hard work that Taya put in. So I can see... Next week, Taya mentioning that on Dynamite, and this could lead to Taya versus Chris Statlander in a rivalry matchup here somewhere down the line. So I can see that, but we'll have to wait and see when Taya officially says this on Dynamite. But the plant, the seeds are already planted. Now off to the main event, mixed tag team matchup here: Britt Baker and Adam Cole going against Chris Jericho and Soraya. Adam Cole and Britt Baker would win the match by pinfall when Adam Cole would hit Chris Jericho with the boom to cover him for the win. So Chris and Adam, they're still continuing on their feud here. Britt Baker and the Outcast, they're still continuing their feud here. And more than likely, since Jamie Hayter is out right now with an injury, I can see Britt Baker stepping in and going against Tony Storm for the AEW Women's Championship. And again, we can start rebuilding uh, Tony's Women's Championship build that she didn't technically get to get last year. So Tony can have a proper... A championship reign under her belt and also with Adam Cole and Chris Jericho I can see them having another match or two to really end this feud so Adam could still get the win underneath his wings so he can become the main star that people in AEW and the fans in AEW want Adam Cole to be so hopefully after the next match or two with Jericho gets done Adam Cole can be the main eventer and go against MGF in a rivalry and a match that we all technically want. But time will tell with that. And he got to get through Chris Jericho first before he can do all that. But yeah, that's just uh, me hoping and saying out loud to what needs to be done. But anywho, with that being said, that is your AEW Dynamite Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now we move over to Impact Wrestling. Before I get to Impact Wrestling's uh, Wrestling Highlights, um, they had a pay-per-view last I believe Friday, it was called Under Siege, and I'm just going to read you the results of what happened. Nick Aldis going against Kenny King. Nick Aldis would win the match by submission. 
Six-man tag, Rich Vaughn and Sammy Callahan will have to find a partner to go against the design. And they will find Jay Christ to be their partner. Jay Christ is a former uh, stablemate of Sammy Callahan in like mid-2010s when Sammy was in OVE. So it was Sammy, Jay Christ, and his brother Dave Christ in Impact Wrestling. And Jay Christ was out of Impact for some time now, so it seems like he's back. He teams up with Sammy and Rich. They will beat the design. Uh, Trinity would defeat Giselle Shaw by submission. Uh, the Impact World Tag Team Championships. Ace Austin and Chris Bay would defeat the team of Subculture, which is Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster. Impact X Division Championship matchup. Trey Miguel, the champion, will retain his championship by pinfall by defeating Chris Saban. And a six-way matchup to determine the number one contender for the Impact World Championship. It will be Alex Shelley defeating Eddie Edwards, Frankie Kazarian, Jonathan Gresham, Moose and Yuya Uramura by pinfall for the Impact Knockouts Championship. Deanna Peraza would defeat Jordan Grace. Now that Grace has lost to Deanna Peraza, Jordan Grace can no longer challenge for the title as long as Deanna Peraza is champion. And in the main event, in a no disqualification matchup between Steve Macklin and PCO, Steve Macklin would win the match by pinfall. Now we open up Impact Wrestling. They'll play highlights of what happened at Under Siege. And at the end of Under Siege, you will see Steve Macklin's face covered in blood after a bloody no disqualification match with PCO. He will call out Scott Demore so he could put the belt around his waist like Scott Demore said that he would do if Steve Macklin won the match up here. So Scott's out here to repay his debt. Scott does so. Then we get Bully Ray coming from behind Scott Demore and start choking out Scott Demore with a belt. Now you start seeing members of the Impact locker room trying to come out to help out Scott, but you see Bully Ray and Steve Macklin attacking Impact wrestlers. Then you see Steve Macklin get a table, and Bully Ray would get lighter fluid, and they will light the table on fire, and they will put Scott Demore through the flaming table. Now, after the montage of what happened at Under Siege goes down, we would get Bully Ray coming out to the ring to open up Impact Wrestling, and Bully Ray would be out here to talk about how Under Siege was probably one of the best moments of his life by putting Scott Demore through that table. And Bully would talk about how against all odds, he will win his 8-4-1 matchup and will go to Impact Wrestling to win the Impact World Championship. And I want to put a pause on this. 8-4-1 matchup at against all odds is a 8-man tag to start off. And then the winning team of the 8-man tag, those four members of that team will be immediately going against each other in a Fatal 4-Way match, and then the winner of that Fatal 4-Way match will be the number one contender for the Impact World Championship at Slammiversary. Now the world caught up, let me get back to it. Now, once Bully Ray will say this, Steve Macklin will come down to the ring, and he will tell Bully that at Under Siege, they did a good job by putting Scott through a flaming table, but Steve will tell Bully that he allowed Bully to do that. Now, Bully will take offense to what Steve's comments and at first, he would do the whole veteran shtick of telling Steve that he's been in the business for 30 so odd years and blah, blah, blah. But then Bully would stop himself and tell Macklin that, you know what? You're the world champion. This is your ring. This is your company. Steve would appreciate Bully for changing his tune and tell Bully that people have talked about the both of them and how they could run impact. But Macklin would tell Bully that he would be honored to face Bully at Slammiversary for the world championship. Now, the Motor City Machine Guns will come out to the ring because Alex Shelley will be facing Steve Macklin at against all odds for the Impact World Championship. And this will turn into a back and forth 
talking matchup between both of the groups here, with the important talking piece being how Alex Shelley is one of the best wrestlers out here today and how he is underappreciated, but he just isn't world champion material. Now, Alex Shelley would tell Steve Macklin that if Josh Alexander didn't get hurt, Steve Macklin wouldn't have the world championship, and Alex Shelley would throw a stray at Bully and mention how Josh Alexander made Bully tap out when Bully went against Josh. Now, this will lead to Chris Saban challenging both Steve Macklin and Bully to a tag matchup tonight. Bully will say that isn't going to happen tonight. Then Subculture will come out and say that since Bully and Macklin don't want to go against the Motor City Machine Guns, then they will do it because this is a dream match of theirs. The match will be made official and that match will happen in the main event. Now, off to our first matchup of the night, Eddie Edwards with Alicia in his corner going against Yuya Yurimura. Eddie would win the match by pinfall by hitting the Tiger Driver, then the Boston Knee Party, which is a Shining Wizard, for the win. After the match, Alicia would tell Eddie to extend his hand out to Yuya Yurimura. Eddie would do so, and when Yuya would look to shake his hand, Eddie would pull his hand away in a psych moment. Eddie would then leave the ring, but then Kazarian would come out and shame Eddie for doing that to Yuya because as a veteran, you should show someone respect that took you to the limit in the ring. Eddie would brush off Kazarian's advice, and Kazarian would turn Eddie around and punch him in the face. Alicia would get on Kazarian's back and try to lock in a sleeper hole, but Kaz would just throw Alicia off of him. So this is continuing the beef that Eddie Edwards is having with Kazarian, with Eddie claiming that he's a locker room leader, but he's not displaying any locker room leader uh, qualities as in respect towards anyone. Now, after this, we have Sammy Callahan and Jake Christ going against DK. And Sammy and Jake would win the match by pinfall when Jake and Sammy would put Crazy Steve on Black Taru's shoulders. Jake would get on Sammy's shoulders, and Jake would hit Steve with a cutter, which is our RKO for people that don't know what a cutter is. And that will end the matchup here. After the match, the design will come to the ring and attack both Sammy and Jake. Khan would clothesline both Sammy and Jake, Khan would then lift up Sammy, and Angels would hit him with a roundhouse kick. Dina would then pick up Jake and hit him with a snap DDT. Rich Juan would run down to the ring with a chair, and then the design would leave the ring. So this is continuing on Sammy Callahan's business with the design here. After this, we have Trinity going against Savannah Evans with Jay Vidal and Giselle Shaw in her corner. Trinity would win the match by submission by locking in Starstruck, which is an inverted Rings of Saturn, and make Savannah tap out. After the match, Trinity will get a mic. Trinity will call out the Impact Knockouts champion, Deanna Perrazzo. Deanna will come down to the ring and ask Trinity what was she like. Trinity would then challenge Deanna to a match at Slammiversary for the Knockouts championship. Deanna would accept, so that match will become official. Now, as soon as Deanna accepted, Giselle Shaw, Jay Vidal, and Savannah Evans will come in the ring and attack both Deanna Perrazzo and Trinity from behind. Jay would hit Deanna in the back with a loaded purse. And when he looked to hit Trinity with it, Trinity would attack Jay first, making Jay drop the purse. Giselle would pick it up and hit Trinity with it. Then you see Jordan Grace making her way down to the ring. And at first, she would take out Jay Vidal. And then she would work on Savannah. But Giselle would drop Jordan with the purse. Now Jordan is down. Jordan will get picked up by Jay and Savannah, and they will hold her. And you'll see Giselle Shaw hit Jordan Grace in the face three times with three running knee strikes. And this would incapacitate Jordan. So Jordan is down and out. 
and you will see at the end Giselle Shaw, Jay Vidal, and Savannah Evans uh, posing with Giselle's arm in the air. So Giselle wants to be the top woman in the knockouts division, and I don't see that happening. Trinity's here. Trinity is going to be the face because, again, she has the most star power in the knockouts division, so I can see Impact using that to their best benefit to try to gravitate and pull Impact more up into the main light. So I don't see Giselle being the face. I see Trinity being the face for as long as Trinity wants to be an Impact. So we'll all have to wait and see how they want to move around with that. Now, next up, we will have another knockouts matchup here. It's Danny Luna going against Jordy Threat. Jordy would win the match by pinfall by hitting a torture rack bomb for the win. Then we move on to the main event, a tag team matchup. Subculture going against the Motor City Machine Guns. Motor City Machine Guns would win the match by pinfall by hitting the Dirt Bomb, which is a double cradle uh, bomb on Mark Andrews. No, it wasn't. It was Flash Morgan Webster to win the matchup here. And again, this gives Alex Shelley uh, more momentum as he goes into his World Championship matchup against Steve Macklin, as well as against Chris Saban. Some momentum as he goes against Trey Miguel in his old, not ultimate, God bless, X Division Championship matchup at against all odds for both members of the Motor City Machine Guns. So they still got one more episode of Impact before that happens uh, next Friday. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Now with that, that's your Impact Wrestling, Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now we move over to SmackDown. SmackDown will open up with a video package of Roman Reigns 1000 plus day reign as champion. In said video package, they will go by milestones in his reign, showing previous matches that he had, like ones against Brock Lesnar, going against Edge and Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania and such and such. And in doing so, they will show past champions that Roman Reigns has surpassed as he's continuing on this 1000 plus uh, reign as champion here and I will say this is amazing editing from WWE's uh, editing team the way they put this video package together you got to see all the WWE champions that he has surpassed including the likes of Hulk Hogan or John Cena uh, Triple H Rock and even they had CM Punk in it again CM Punk in WWE is kind of a weird thing anytime you see CM Punk's name or his likeness or imagery on WWE television it's always like a startling moment but they did not hide from it but anyway i would suggest you go check out the video package at the beginning of smackdown because it was a great uh video package for roman reigns now after this we have the united states champion austin theory in the middle of the ring theory will say that tonight is a special night because we are celebrating roman's accomplishment as his 1000 plus day reign as champ then theory will get cocky and he will say that if you could buy roman's days as champions with Theory's days as United States champion, you would get 1,209 days collectively. Theory would then continue to talk about how great he is and say that we will be celebrating Theory's 1,000 days as champion, 2,000 days as champion, 3,000, 4,000 day as U.S. champion if they continue to give him opponents as Sheamus. Now, Theory would call out his tag partners pretty deadly so they can get to the ring here so we can get our six-man tag match on the way. It'll be a six-man tag Theory and Pretty Deadly going against the Brawling Brutes, which consists of Butch, Ridge Holland, and Sheamus. Pretty Deadly and Austin Theory would win the match by pinfall when Pretty Deadly would hit Ridge Holland with spilt milk, then tag in Austin Theory so Theory can cover Ridge for the win here. Solid six-man tag, gave him enough time, and also it gives you the importance to let it be known that Pretty Deadly is probably going to be on the side of Theory for the time being as Theory is dealing with Sheamus right now. So I'm glad we're getting that, and also it Brings up 
Pretty Deadly in a way that if you don't know who Pretty Deadly is, having them being signed with a champion such as the United States champion like Theory, it gets them into a spotlight that they probably never had before unless you watch NXT and you knew who they were. Um, so now with them being with Theory for this moment, it's a good light for them, basically. Now, after this, we get another tag match. The OCs, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, with AJ and Mia Yim in their corner, going against Hit Rose, Top Dollar, and Ashanti Diodonis, with B-Fab in their corner. The OC would win their match by pinfall, when Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows with Ashanti Diodonis with the Magic Killer for the win. After the match, Top Dollar would attack Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows from behind. AJ Styles will be waiting on the ring apron and waiting for Top Dollar to turn around. Once he does, AJ would hit Top Dollar with the phenomenal forearm, leaving the OC standing on top as basically hit row are laying on the ground. Now, after this, Grayson Waller effect with the special guest, the Raw Women's Champion, Asuka. Again, they have not swapped the titles. I don't know what they're doing here. Asuka should be the SmackDown Women's Champion. Rhea should be the Raw Women's Champion since they're both on their respective uh, shows. I just don't know what we're doing with this. Hopefully, sooner than later, we get an answer to this. Why haven't they swapped the titles or why haven't they figured something out with this? This is literally the most convoluted thing ever. Anyway, getting along with this. Oh, yeah, before I get to it, Grayson Waller, he isn't wearing like a boot on his foot anymore. He was out there in some like shoes, some uh, basketball shoes. So he actually was able to move around in the ring before uh, Oscar came out. So I'm glad to see Grayson Waller is no longer wearing the boots. That means that he is almost ready to get back in the ring here. So that's good. And whenever Grayson Waller does get in the ring, you'll be able to see if you weren't watching NXT, why he literally is one of the guys that you should keep your eyes open wide for. Does NXT pack of talent that they drafted this year? This is a group that you should keep your eyes on, especially Grayson Waller and Pretty Deadly. I'm pretty high on these two. Well, these three acts here. Anyway. Grayson Waller will call out uh, Oscar to come out here. They will play footage from Night of Champions of Oscar beating Bianca Belair. And Grayson Waller will talk about how Money in the Bank is coming up and how someone could cash in on Oscar, and also let Oscar know that Bianca is going to be gunning for Oscar for the championship. Oscar will speak Japanese. Grayson will act like he understands what Oscar is saying. This will lead to EO Sky coming to the ring, and EO will speak Japanese to Oscar. Now you have a shouting match between Oscar and EO. Then Bailey will come out, and she will translate, saying that EO and Bailey are going to be a part of the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match, and whoever wins that is going to take the title off of Oscar. Then you will see Shotzi come out saying that she's going to win the Money in the Bank. Then Lacey Evans will come out saying she's going to win it, but first she has to get past Selena Vega. And mentioning Selena, we'll have Selena come out here. And ultimately, everybody will get into a big shouting match up here. Asuka will leave the ring. She'll go up the ramp. She'll get everybody's attention by shouting and saying nobody's ready for Asuka. And then behind Asuka, Bianca Belair would appear, and Bianca would start fighting with Asuka on the stage. You would get referees to separate the two ladies. They'll get sent to the back, and we'll get on with our women's Money in the Bank qualifying matchup of Selena Vega going against Lacey Evans. Selena would win the match by pinfall by hitting Code Red on Lacey Evans. So Selena is the first woman to qualify for the Money in the Bank ladder match, the women's uh, version. Now, after this, we get the men's qualifying matchup. For the Money in the Bank, it'll be Montez Ford going against 
LA Knight. LA Knight would win the match by pinfall by countering a roll-up into one of his own, and when he does so, he will hold on to the middle rope. The referee wouldn't see it, so Knight will get the win here. Now, Knight has also advanced into the Money in the Bank, so right now it is Ricochet and LA Knight and Shinsuke Nakamura. There will be more qualifying matches next week on SmackDown with Mustafa Ali going against Santos Escobar, Butch going against Baron Corbin for the men's. Now for the women, it will be Bailey going against Mia Yim and Io Sky going against Shasi next week. Now it's time for the main segment here. Triple H will come down to the ring to be a witness to the celebration of Roman's 1,000-day uh, celebration. Roman, Paul, and Solo Sokoa will come down to the ring. Triple H will give Roman Reigns an updated version of the Undisputed Universal Heavyweight Championship. So instead of Roman now having two titles, it'll just be one title in the title that Triple H hands him. It looks like the WWE Championship, but instead of the centerpiece being black, it's gold. So, I mean, I understand where they're going with this. I would just have liked for them to create another championship, a new championship, but since... We're going with logos being the center focal point of everything. I can see why they did it. And again, it's WWE's business. Everybody's going to like say they don't like it. Me, I don't like it right now. But again, it's going to grow on me. So it is what it is. Roman would lift up the championship in the air. Pyro will go off. Then you will have uh, Triple H wrapping around him. Roman would then get a mic, and he would do his usual acknowledge me shtick, but this time, instead of saying the local town that SmackDown's in, he would say to the universe to get up and acknowledge him. And when he does this, the Usos' music would hit, and then it would show up on the stage. Now, the Usos were not supposed to be here because of what happened at Night of Champions with Jimmy Superkicking Roman here. Um, Adam Pearce told Paul earlier in the night when Paul came up to Adam Pearce's locker room, Pierce told Paul that he canceled the Usos' travel, and he also bumped up security, so it would make it hard for the Usos to be here. But, as you can tell, that didn't work. So the Usos would come down to the ring. We'll get this intense moment between Jimmy Uso and Roman. They'll have a stare down, and Roman will look at Jay, and he would tell Jay to superkick Jimmy in the face. Jay would just look at Roman, and Roman would again tell Jay to do it. And he wouldn't do this. And Roman would tell him he needs Jay to superkick Jimmy in the face because Jimmy was the one that took the tag team titles away from Roman and Solo Zakoa. But again, Jay wouldn't do it. Now, Jimmy would express why he did superkick Roman at Night of Champions. I did what I did because I was being a brother. Brothers treat brothers with love and respect. And as of lately, you ain't been such of a good brother. What kind of brother manipulates? What kind of brother betrays? What kind of brother hurts and beat down his own family? What kind of brother does that, Us? You have gone crazy, crazy. This right here, this my brother. It's embedded in me to protect him. That's my brother. And I'm going to protect you. And I'm telling you, Solo, after he get done using you, 
He's going to abuse you, manipulate you, betray you, use you to your fullest, kick you to the side, put you in the dirt, and do what he always do. I'm your brother. Now, Roman being the egomaniacal man that he is, he would say that Jimmy is talking a lot for Solo. Solo has his own mouth. He has his own voice. And Solo's going to let everyone know who he sides with. Does he side with the Usos or does he side with his tribal chief? Now, Roman would put the mic in Solo's chest. Solo will grab it. Solo will look at Roman. He will look at his brothers. He'll pause a couple seconds. And then he would give his answer to who he sides with. I acknowledge you, my tribal chief. But these two right here, they're my brothers. Now with Roman having nobody on his side, because right now Roman sees the Usos and Solo standing literally in front of him. Roman starts getting upset. Roman starts feeling that the weight of the world is coming down around him. Jimmy tells Roman, listen, we can do this together this time with respect. With love for each other, we can go back to running this company like we've been doing, but we have to do it under those guidelines. And he would ask Roman, is he down with that? Roman, continuing being a hothead, he would try to tell Jimmy to shut up, but then Jimmy would just mush Roman in the face. Now Jay would play the peacemaker. He would come between Roman and Jimmy and say, listen, this ain't what we're about. We're already starting on the wrong foot. Come on. You will see Jay tell Roman that he needs him. You will see Jay tell Jimmy that he needs him. Now it's between Jimmy and Roman once again. Jimmy would again send the olive branch out to Roman and ask him, all right, come on, we're going to do this as a family with love, respect for each other or what? Roman, he would stop and then he would just run over to Jimmy and hug him. Now we have an embrace between Jimmy and Roman. Roman seems like he's about to tear up. He gets the mic close to his mouth and he tells Jimmy, no. And that just sets off everything. Roman will let go of Jimmy. Jimmy will look at Roman. Roman will look at Jimmy, but then Roman's eyes will cut over to Solo. And then Solo would just Samoa spike Jimmy right in the throat. So Solo has sided with Roman. Throughout this whole thing, throughout that speech of just saying, you're my tribal chief, but they're my brothers. Solo has decided to choose Roman Reigns, and that's the side that he's going to ride with. Now, after all the damage has been done, you will see Roman and Solo and Paul leave the ring the same way they came into it. You will see Jay checking on Jimmy, and Roman, he's still in somber sadness, and he has his head down as he's walking towards the back. But once he gets on the stage, Paul would ask Roman, what do we do about Jay? Roman, he would slightly turn his head over to look at the ring, and he would tell Paul, we're going to do what we've been doing. Jay is going to fall in line. And that's what the whole big question mark is right now. Is Jay going to ride with his brother Jimmy? As Jimmy, as we already can see what the thing is going to be, Jimmy's going to be gunning for Roman now. And are we going to see Jay sticking with him or is he going to side with Solo and Roman? That's the big key question now of this whole bloodline civil war battle that we're about to really get into. So my best guess, I think Jay's going to stick with Jimmy, but we'll have to wait for next week on SmackDown as the more of the story unfolds. But I will 
like to say, please, if you have not seen this whole segment, go and check SmackDown out. If that's the only thing you want to check out, go and check that segment out. Because the storyline that has been curated by Roman and the Usos and Solo and everybody that has put their hands on this particular storyline, it has been art. It has been one of the most best things that WWE has really came out with in a long time. I think The Shield was a good thing. The New Day was a good thing. But storyline-wise, this is literally one of their best storylines that they have ever done. And it's not just me speaking from current basis because it's right there in your face. No, it's because you can see it. You can even trace it back from SummerSlam of 2020 when Roman came back all the way to now. You can see how it has been progressing from one year after the next year after the next year to right now where you know that the bloodline is crumbling and is going to end with Roman Reigns basically being dethroned by who? By someone, but we don't know who, but he's basically going to be down to only himself and he will only have himself to blame when his whole empire comes crumbling down. But until we get to that point, I'm enjoying this ride and the story that they're that just giving to us. So I'm going to take that in every week that I can get it, and I hope that you guys do the exact same thing. So please, check SmackDown out for that segment alone if that's the only thing you want to see. But with that, that's your SmackDown Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now we move over to AEW Rampage. This was Championship Edition, meaning that all the matches that happened on Rampage were for championships. The first match was for the AAA Mega Championship and a triple threat. The champion, Elvin Kingo, defending his title against Drillistico and Commander. Vinkingo would retain his championship by pinfall by countering a powerbomb from Drillisico into a Huracurana for the win. Solid matchup to open up Rampage. After this, we had the New Japan TV Championship. Action Andretti going against Zack Sabre Jr. Zack Sabre Jr. will retain his TV title by submission when Zack Sabre Jr. will get Action Andretti's arms locked in a submission-style move and Andretti couldn't get out leaving him no other choice but to submit verbally. He couldn't tap, so he had to verbally tell the ref, yes, I give. Um, Action Andretti, he had a good match against Zack Sabre Jr. Action Andretti has not been on television that much. He's more on Ring of Honor TV now, not AEW TV as much. I think Ring of Honor is the developmental slash the place where you can get your reps in more before Tony wants to pull you from Ring of Honor and put you on AEW television again. So, Tony can do that, vice versa. If you're getting tired and stale on uh, AEW television, he can put you on Ring of Honor TV. He did that with Eddie Kingston, but Kingston wasn't stale. He just did that for Kingston, so Kingston can have his match with Claudio. But point being, again, that was my nerve brain going there for you. Um, That's where Action Andretti has been, and I'm glad he popped up here because this shows everyone Action Andretti has been doing and that he's getting his reps in, and he can actually hang with someone like Zack Sabre Jr., so it was a solid match here. Now, after this, we had the New Japan Strong Women's Championship. Champion Willow Nightingale defending the title against Amy Sakura. Willow would win the match by pinfall by hitting a gun wrench powerbomb for the win. Strong defense from Willow Nightingale, and I'm glad that she is a champion, even if it's in New Japan. Uh, Willow Nightingale, she's going to be a great champion as long as they do the right things with her. But her character, her smiling so much, the fans love her. So. They have no other choice but to do right by Willow, hopefully, for the love of God. Now, in the main event, Ring of Honor, Pure Championship. 
champion Shibata going against challenger Lee Moriarty. Shibata would win the match by pinfall by locking in a sleeper hold, then have Lee in the middle of the ring in a sit-up position, then hit him with a penalty kick to the chest, then cover Lee Moriarty to win the matchup here, so Shibata would win and retain his title. After the match, Deo Garcia would come down to the ring, and Shibata will hold up the pure championship as both men will stare at each other. So that tells you that Deo Garcia is gunning for his pure championship, looking to be a two-time pure champion. And I can't wait to see that match whenever they do actually announce it to happen. Now with that, that is your AEW Rampage Wrestling Highlights of the Week. And that's the show. This has been your Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast. Hosted by G2, he is I, and I am him. I hope you guys have a great Saturday. Please be safe out there. Please be careful. I have a Sunday episode coming out tomorrow. If you did not listen to my midweek episode that I always give out on Wednesday, I talked about the HBO series Secession. I think you will enjoy it. And please go watch the Secession um, series on HBO. If you have Max, go watch it. It's a great show just for you to binge and just see vile people just do vile things in the business world now with the marketing out of the way i hope everybody has a great saturday again please be safe please be careful i love you guys i'll see you guys later